0: And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me in the studio today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich. Good to be here, Dan. And on the telephone today is Dr. John Vance. Hello, everyone. Well, gentlemen, it's good to have you here. And, uh, John, it's uh, you almost didn't make it, but uh, we tied you in by telephone, so it's a <laughs> blessing that we can do that. So thank you for joining us.
1: Yes,
0: yeah, thank you. Um, I want to relate a personal story as a segue into what we're going to be talking about today and begin with this just personal story. Uh, The other day, my dad got my attention, and he said, um, I don't know how I'm going to pay my school bill. Well, what's the matter? Well, it went up $1,000 in one year, he says. (laughs) And um, some of you know my dad or at mm-hmm. least are aware of him. He lives in the what we call the Town of Olive, is where we live, on Acorn Hill. And um, he's a senior. He's 78 years old. And that got me thinking. We we love our seniors. Uh, this, this station has many listeners who are older, who are seniors, and on a very limited income. And um, that income doesn't go up every year too much, if at all. But the taxes keep going up, and it's a threat to the seniors. Um, they're worried about how am I going to pay my taxes? Many of these are very honorable people. they've paid their taxes all their lives. Um, they don't live on much, they don't expect much, but they just um they've paid for their land in my dad's case, his land, his house is paid for he's debt free, but he can hardly afford. To live in the town of Olive, what's wrong? And I got thinking about um, more things uh, regarding our own personal family. I thought, you know, years ago, my dad's grandfather uh, lived in what is now the lower basin of the Ashokan Reservoir, and he had to move. And as far as I know, he didn't. Um, he didn't have a bad attitude about it, but he was positive and forward-looking. Um they were taking his land <laughs> and and he mm-hmm. he found a building and um somehow moved that whole building up into what we call today Shokan. Uh and that would become the center of Shokan and my great grandfather did that and that building is still there today. It's a little bit run down, but it's Winchell's Pizza. And so it's still the center of town, as it were. The um the point is um, some of these seniors have been here for a long time. They're families. Um, they, they literally helped build the town. And so uh, now he's faced with, how am I going to pay my school taxes? And somewhere in his conversation with me came the idea of, of maybe I should sell and move out of the town. And I, I'm thinking that that is typical of seniors. Uh, they are threatened by excessive taxation. And may I say without adequate representation, and that's another topic altogether, but I really felt for my dad, and I thought, you know, this would make great material for a plain answer this week. And I know that's a long introduction there, but um, um, maybe we can kind of work it through and understand, um, you know, we're Christians, Um, you know, does the Bible speak at all to some of these items uh, regarding taxation? Uh, maybe about the heart of man and and government in general. So who would like to take it from there?
1: I'll I'll start by saying that uh, this is a dilemma. I appreciate the uh, account, uh, Dan, that you just related. Uh, My father, too, is a senior of of course, and and, uh, one of the things that he has to pay, of course, uh, uh, are taxes of various kinds. Uh, Fortunately, he lives in a state that is not uh, heavily taxed in the same way that New York State is. Uh, Nonetheless, uh, that is always a matter uh, that is on his mind. Uh, The scriptures uh, do say something about taxes, of course. Uh, I'm sure that most people uh, can immediately recall several passages in the Bible uh, concerning Jesus and taxes, Uh, At least there are two occasions that he uh, says something about taxes. Of course, the one is uh, uh, found in Luke, where uh, the the Pharisees are trying to trap Jesus, and they come to him, and uh, they raise the issue uh, of uh, taxation and so forth, and Jesus uh, responds... Uh, by taking up a coin, uh, and you remember the Mm -hmm, account, he mm -hmm. takes the coin, and he says to them, Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar, and unto God the things that are of God. And it is clear there that Jesus is not saying that taxes are not legitimate. And so uh, he took the denarius, as the saying is, and he gave an illustration there that uh, we do have some obligation uh, to the civil government, and then of course there is that other matter of the temple tax. Uh, it's also, I mm-hmm. believe, in uh, Luke's gospel later on, maybe two or three chapters over, uh, where uh, he performs a miracle: the the coin, uh, his disciples goes down and gets a coin out of a fish's mouth, and they pay their taxes. So, and then Paul, of course, to sum up the New Testament, also. Uh, Says that taxes are legitimate. The question we're debating here is, it seems to me, or considering is, how much? Uh, how much? <laughs> right. And uh, there can be a point where you can grind the face of the poor and the down
2: yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: cast. And that's the question that we're considering here, not whether paying taxes, but how much is fair and just?
3: Yeah, I think that that's a real key point. How much is fair? And In another sense, what is a legitimate tax? Uh, You know, why Mm -hmm. do we have these taxes, and and what do these taxes uh, say? I I think Jesus' reply was very interesting there. He said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar, and unto God the things that are God. I believe at the time, uh, the emperor was uh, Tiberius, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think it was Caligula. I may, I, I may be wrong. I, at any rate, ever since Julius Caesar, the emperors had been, in essence, saying they were gods. Mm-hmm. In some form or another. You know, I don't want to get...
1: At least semi-divine.
3: It's semi-divine, exactly. Which is what the pharaohs did. Mm-hmm. You know, and when you're looking at that, you know, I look at Jesus' statement and says, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Mm-hmm. The ruler, the mm-hmm. civil ruler, and to God the things are that are gods yeah you don't render to Caesar the things that are gods, or it's not legitimate for the ruler to usurp
1: the place of God the
3: place of God yeah yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. this gave rise of course uh, to the two kingdom uh, theory yeah, yeah. that you see in augustine's the city of god there's the city of the heavenly city, and then there's a city of the earth. Uh, And Jesus, of course, is talking about two kingdoms. The problem Mm -hmm. is we only talk about the earthly kingdom, and we forget that the heavenly kingdom also has its claims upon us, and we owe a higher allegiance to that kingdom than we do to any earthly kingdom.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. It looks like we're up against a break already in this discussion today. You're listening to A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. Uh, Stay with us. We'll be back. There is much to be said yet about this discussion of taxes and government and uh, the Christian faith and, and all of life. So stay with us. We'll be right back.
4: God save the world. God save the child. Humble the strong Strengthen the mild Open my eyes That I might see God save the world Starting with me I light a candle Stare at the flame I see the only way this world can change One tiny light in each of us A seed of hope, a mighty love God save the world, God save the child Humble the strong, strengthen the mild, open my eyes that I might see God save the world, starting with me.
2: We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Stay with us now for the second half of our program.
4: God save the world God save the child Humble the strong Strengthen the mild Open my eyes That I might see God save the world Starting with me.
0: And welcome back. You're tuned to a plain answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. In the studio with me today, Mark Diedrich, and on the phone, John Vance. Today we're talking about taxes. It uh, can be a rather emotional topic. And um, I wanted to uh, refer to a study that was published by the Heritage Foundation where they ranked the world by economic freedom. Uh, In other words, they list the countries, and the ones that are in the top ranking get an overall score um, in terms of economic freedom. And you might think that the United States, wow, that must be right at the top. Well, maybe it used to be, but it's not anymore. Um, Let me read you some of the countries that are at the top of this list in terms of economic freedom. Number one is Hong Kong, followed by Singapore, followed by Australia, then New Zealand, then Switzerland, then Canada, then Ireland, then Denmark, finally the United States. We may think we're number one, but we're not. We're way down the list number nine in terms of rank, in terms of economic freedom, Our overall score is 77.8. And um, that's nothing to be very proud about. I wanted to make one more point, and it's this. If you go all the way down at the bottom of the list, uh, which one is the worst is North Korea. That's overall score is number one. That's down at the list, 179. But um, think about this. Isn't it interesting that North Korea is, is also on the top of the list in terms of persecution against Christians. Yeah, I think that's no coincidence that those two right. are together. Right. In
3: addition to that, just before we go back to that, because that is a, an extremely important point, uh, Hong Kong, right at the top of the they list. Are. Yeah, okay, and they're all part of uh, communist China. That's, that's, that's part of communist China. But guess what? That's Remember... It. If you think back at the history, where does China's economic ascendancy occur? It occurred when Hong Kong was turned over, uh, the Brits turned it over to to China. Mm-hmm. China recognized they had the goose that was laying the golden egg, and they left their hands off of that. Yes. At that point, China's ascendancy rose, economic yes. ascendancy skyrocketed. And it's because of that freedom.
0: Yes, in fact I was looking into this a little bit and uh, regarding Hong Kong uh, they had reached an agreement so that, uh, I think it was in 1997, from that date forward by 50 years they have an agreement that, can, that they can be capitalistic even though they're ruled by a communist country. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking, wow, I wonder what happens when that 50 years runs yeah, out.
1: Yeah. I, I uh, understand too that uh, yeah the the unemployment rate in Hong Kong is 3.2%. <laughs> uh, so, so, therefore, the more freedom you have economically, yes. uh, the better, mm-hmm. uh, of course, it is for workers, and it is better for, let me say, human nature to be occupied, because yes. God intended yes. that we might uh, be productive and creative in our lives. And one of the sad things about them uh, is that... Uh, in societies where there is much more encroachment of government it is robbing human beings of their dignity and the really taxation is. thing is doing the same thing right. the more you increase it the more it robs people of freedom and dignity and i don't think the government understands that i think that when governments uh, begin uh, to encroach upon uh, the private sector what they're doing is something that is against if you will, our God-given right to be human beings in the world. And that is, we need a certain amount of freedom, and governments, when they encroach on the private sector with regulation and taxes, are actually taking away human Mm -hmm. freedom and human choice uh, and creating unemployment and going against and governing against, if you will, not only the the, uh, goodwill of human beings but also against human nature.
0: That's well put. Right. I'm of the opinion also that government cannot create jobs, unless they're government jobs, and that's not the kind of jobs that we need. They cannot create jobs in the public sector. Um, the most that they can do is back off from from excessive regulations and back off from excessive taxation, and that will automatically encourage the creation of jobs.
1: Well, government jobs actually take away Uh, from the resources of a nation or a country, whereas when jobs are created in the private sector, it adds more uh, to the wealth of that nation. So that's the problem with government jobs. People might think a job is a job. No, it isn't. A government job is actually detracting from the sum total of the wealth of a nation because you are drawing it from other people, whereas a private sector job, in fact, is adding to the wealth of a nation because it is creative, and it is creating more wealth uh, as such. That is so it, true. Th-
3: that is, and you see it in a couple of ways. I think one of the, the ways uh, in terms of pensions, you know, and uh, the people who have government pensions, they have a sweet thing because their government pensions are guaranteed, whereas when you have private sector pensions, a lot of them are dependent on the growth of uh, companies and, and the growth of the economy as well, whereas the government uh, pensions are not at all dependent on that. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, one of the things that we're not saying, and it's important, we're not saying that the government doesn't have a right, right. to taxation, but what we are saying is that the taxation, uh, it is best for a government to collect taxes to pay For basic services and protections. We we have a right as a society. We have, if you will, and I hate to introduce this concept because it's often misunderstood, a social contract with each other. Mm -hmm. Now, the word contract here goes back to the biblical idea of covenant, a social covenant. And that social contract is very important, but the social contract that we originally signed on to called the... uh, documents, particularly our Constitution, allow a great deal of freedom to the human being to develop their own freedom and ideas and to pursue their life. Mm-hmm. But what we find today is that government uh, breaking this compact through uh, what uh, one radio commentator talks about statism is that it's an encroaching, growing yeah. leviathan that is controlling all of our lives and taking away our freedom.
0: Yes, I'm I'm very concerned about the freedom. Now, something just crossed my desk here. I think it was this morning. Um, Someone sent me a note regarding Social Security, and I don't want to get into the whole Social Security thing, but I thought this was very interesting. Maybe you guys can confirm this. It says that our senators and congressmen don't pay into Social Security and they don't collect from it, uh, it's because um, they have a special plan for themselves. Yeah. Is that true? Yes, I, it is true. I believe true. that's right, yeah.
1: It's their own private uh, system. It is much more rewarding than uh, what the Social Security system is. Yeah. So uh, even our lawmakers are not living by the laws yes. that they pass. They're not living under the same standard Uh, what they have given the rest of the country, uh, they themselves have exempted themselves from. Oh, they may still collect it in another way if they've worked in private
3: Mm -hmm.
1: government, but they have their own. If you go to Congress or you become part of the Senate, you have a special deal going.
3: This is one of the problems, because one of the things that I see with that is, well, not only does it get people upset when they find out about that, but it puts the, the government workers, uh, in other words, the congressmen, those who are making the laws, and the government people on a higher level. And I, I believe well, this is one of the problems uh, that we have, is you, you have government becoming God. And, and, That's it, isn't and, it? And, and, and the abbreviation for government for a lot of these people is G-O-D and not G-O-V. Mm-hmm. Very true. And and yeah. that's that's the fundamental problem here. Mm-hmm. I think uh, you look at look at the Old Testament when Israel decided that they wanted a king. You know, Samuel's old, and of course they gave good reasons for it. And this is this is in First Samuel eight. You know, and in, in verse seven, the Lord said to Samuel, "Obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but." They have rejected me Mm. from being king over them. And one of the things that government is trying to tell us now is that our well-being is dependent on what they do. You you, you hear that all the time, effectively. And our well-being is not dependent on government. It's dependent on God. And and so, you see, they put themselves in the place of God. I think one of the other things that's interesting is then Samuel goes on to talk to the people and says, what is going to happen if you have a government like the rest of the people? And he gives them a a list of things that are are going to happen. He said, uh, he will make your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his servants. He will take... The tenth of your grain and of your vineyards, and give it to his officers and to his servants. Yes, That's and he goes illustration. on.
1: There is no question. Uh, the, the problem that, as I see it, is, and this is a, a problem that uh, the late Milton Friedman uh, brought up. Uh, w- w- freedom is something that calls for responsibility, mm-hmm. and uh, but it also calls for courage to be able to live and embrace life and to do for yourself if you're willing to to exchange your freedom for security what's going to happen is that you will look to big government to do everything for you but in the end it will take all of your freedom and uh if it has the power uh to take your money without any uh qualification or limitation it has the power to control you totally. Mm. And that is what we're facing today, a certain kind of balance that realizes that human beings are created in the image of God and have a right to freedom and pursue their own lives. Mm. And And, and,
0: you know what that reminds me of also, John, is the notion that not everybody has the same talents in this world. And those who are exceptionally talented um, and and work very hard uh, should be rewarded, and I should rejoice over the fact mm-hmm. that they are prosperous and and that is a complete change of mind and it's and it 's freeing
1: this, uh, cl- this class warfare thing that is going on today yeah. is totally rooted in resentment against others who oh, may have been gifted or worked harder yeah. than someone else. you know uh, Jesus over and over and the scriptures over and over warn against being envious of others. And it's a terrible sin, jealousy and uh, envy. Uh, And that's what the present, uh, uh, those who gain political power often appeal to the worst in our human nature.
0: They do. You know, Mm -hmm. I see we're about out of time. I'm going to let Mark have uh, just the final word here, some wrap-up thoughts today before we bring the program to a close.
3: Yeah, boy, that's a, a heavy <laughs> thing. <here. laughs> uh, one, one, one of the things is I, I think what we want to understand is God is sovereign above all, and and He is the one who is the ruler above all things. Uh, governments are, are there as His tool for to to met out justice to to give us some kind of safety, um, but. We always need to remember, government is not God. God is God, and He is the one to be served, and, and Him alone.
0: Amen to that. Well, thank you, gentlemen. I'm sorry to uh, abruptly close the program, but uh, we're up against uh, the wall in terms of time. Uh, this is a very interesting topic. I suspect we'll be talking about this more and more in days to come. And if you would like to interface with Redeemer Broadcasting, whether it be John Vance or Mark Diedrich or myself, a quick reminder that our email address is ministry at redeemerbroadcasting dot org Feel free also to utilize our toll-free number. It is eight 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 seven 888-724-4427. There's even a mailbox there. For your comments for A Plain Answer So avail yourself of that opportunity as well In the studio with me today The Reverend Mark Diedrich Pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York And on the phone has been Dr. John Vance Pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Rock Tavern I'm Dan Elmendorf Please join us again next week at this same time For another edition of A Plain Answer
4: Open up my heart That I might see God save the world Starting with me